Welcome to Product Sense. <laughs> Welcome to Product Sense, the show where we talk about our favorite eco-friendly tech products shared on Steam Hunt, a blockchain version of Product Hunt. I'm Dalio, and I'm Team Humble, and we're glad you're here. That was brutal. Brutal. That was, kind of, that was kind of brutal. No, just like it was so sudden, like it's so short compared to the old version, but uh, it's better. Yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody. Um, I really enjoyed the last show, by the way. I don't know if you listened back to it, but it came out really, really good. Uh, I don't very, think it very did. Very Okay, yeah, good. Now you want to listen. You want to listen back to it. It's good. You're a little bit quiet, by the way. How's this? So it's better. Is that any like, better? Wait. Okay. Yeah, your waveform's tiny. Oh, I don't know why. How about now? Is this any better? One, two. I mean, I can hear you perfectly, but it's just the waveform looks different. Maybe it's different on that end. I don't. I don't, uh, I don't know. Hold on. Okay, go ahead. Anyway. All good, all good. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Product Sense, nineteenth uh, of December. We're trying to back to back these because ideally we want to go to like two times a week, twice a week. And I was thinking originally at the beginning of the week and then at the end of the week, but I realised that if you did one on Friday, you know, like you're going to be overwhelmed to put everything in to get another one started on Monday. So we don't know why we're going to do that yet. Probably going to be probably we'll move towards something like Tuesday and friday or tuesday and saturday something like that depends on how the schedule changes once you get over here <laughs> this but, uh, definitely twice a week yeah but definitely twice a week all right you're calling the shots with everything th- this week oh i am yeah okay uh yeah. okay well where do you want to start i have some hunts I, I we could share we have some things that we want to talk about there's some notes in um yeah, I was Trello. gonna say jump into the notes. Okay. Yeah, cool. jump into the notes in Trello and we'll take it from there from the take it from the top and Okay. Well we have yeah, yeah. we have um we have a little link here from The Guardian. Uh and, and and this is actually the perfect time to talk about this stuff because we're in the season of giving and that's awesome. And I encourage you to explore your generosity this year, but also maybe explore uh the products that you are giving and receiving and maybe if those are going to last the person or, you know, just what they mean. It doesn't mean, you know, just become a non-consumerist hobbit and refuse to participate in Christmas. But I think it's a really cool time to think about, uh, think about our impact, our buying impact and what that means for the planet. I mean, today Mm. (laughs) I've been sitting at the window waiting for packages to come and I can't tell you how many delivery trucks have gone by in the past couple hours are just they're in full force out there so you know there's a lot there's a lot going on (laughs) um so this first article says christmas shoppers warned to avoid plastics plastic toys due due to toxin levels um that's a huge (laughs) bummer. that's a huge bummer i mean as if plastic didn't have enough bad pr now it's like maybe we'll kind of start waking up now that we realize that it's having a direct and immediate impact instead of a future only it's only happening to whales impact. Well, one of the one of the things that I'm concerned about is because obviously my my daughter's got a bit of a fascination for slime, so I'm trying to work out how bad that is. Right. And nearly half of the slime and putty toys that they tested broke EU safety limits for the oh. chemical boron. Oh, so no. yeah, exactly. So the stuff that we the stuff that we got is actually from not from the EU. We actually bought some stuff that was like a proper like high end one that you mix together. So I kind of know that it's been through a certain amount of tests. But there is 
cheap and nasty stuff out there. Um, there was a 290 out of 563 warning sent out uh, on the EU's rapid alert system concerning toys with uh, illegal high-level toxins, high-level of toxins, most of which were plastic dolls and all of which could be on sale on British high streets. Yeah. So, you know, like they say it's kind of like a losing battle against what the UN calls a silent pandemic of toxic pollution. Um, so obviously I'm very, very keen to make sure that we are informed about it. My daughter's informed about it. Um, we did buy a squishy that had a weird kind of smell to it. Mm. Um, and, you know, they were, set, they were banned in Denmark about four months ago, made of suspected carcinogenic chemicals. Uh, illegal levels of substances are very high concern. So, you know, we've got to get on top of that stuff because we don't know what that's doing to us. Like mm. it's a bit like our food chain. It's a bit like the microplastics that we have in fish uh, because it's in our water table. Like it's everywhere. Like it's mm -hmm. causing problems for the animals and the food and the, and the soil and our bodies. So I just think it's smart to be aware of the, the presents that we buy people for Christmas because of the long tail of that. Just because you don't see anything in the short term doesn't mean we should like not care about it and just hope that somebody's got our back because obviously prices and, and corners are being cut all over the place. Right. So I think it's important just to check all those things at Christmas time, especially instead of just getting caught up with it. I'm not trying to like null anybody's like Christmas cheer or whatever, but I just think um, it's important to give and test, you know, some of these presents that we, we give our children. Yeah. Right. And if you think about like, the, the portion of that item's life that is with you or with your kids is such a small part of its actual lifetime. I mean, because everything goes somewhere, right? So even like, I know the slimes like dry out and stuff, like they end up in the mm. bin, the bin ends up in a landfill, then it rains. Like, you know, I don't have to explain, obviously, rain and <laughs> and landfills to people i know you guys understand that i know that's pretty common knowledge but like, rain. i know but it also i think i think we're so we're very out of sight out of mind uh creatures so once we don't have it it's just like who cares or it doesn't exist like everything ends up somewhere every everything you know it's gonna go on to exist for maybe I mean, damn, some of the presents that we got for Christmas as kids are still out there in the form of plastic. Think about that. Well, you know, well, <laughs> I, I, I kind of wanted, well, there's a whole bunch of stats in here from the UN and I want to put out there that I want people to stop and listen and think about like the amount of plastic that you've got in your house and the amount of plastic that we, we have dealt with in our, in our life. Two big pieces of data here, both from... Uh, the second part is from the UN, but the first one is, and this is a scary statistic for me, plastic is entering oceans in increasing amounts and scientists, so, you know, you can take this whatever way you want to take it, scientists expect it to outweigh, outweigh all fish, all fish in the oceans by 2050 mm. at the current rate. So in 32 years from now, the amount of plastic that's in the ocean will outweigh all of the fish that's in the ocean, right? And then the other metric that's very important is 90%, 90% of the 6.3 billion metric tons of plastic waste produced since mass production began 60 years ago is now lying around our planet in landfills and oceans or has been incinerated. If we don't change our ways by 2050, there'll be 12 billion metric tons of plastic waste, which is basically double, it's double, 
um, wow. in the next 30, next 30 years where we produce 6.3 billion of it in 60 years. So we're, we're, we're making more of it in a short period of time. Right. Um, look, it, it, the problem is it's one of those things that like outside, out of mind, quick thrill, cheap piece of plastic. I, I've seen it and I know what happens is people go to the dollar store, people go to like get a cheap present, they buy, you know, they can't afford it. So they buy something that the kid can interact with. But look, you're better off saving up that money. Or you're better off making something from scratch, something like milled, you know, something that you make with your hands yourself from your own like local uh, forest or, or, or just something that has a lot more value to it in terms of a, a lesson that you can teach your children because we have to get off this addiction of plastic. We have to get off it. It's bad for us. It's bad for the planet. It's killing us slowly. Um, it's it's effect, Once we affect food chains, it affects all the food chains. You know, we're losing animals left, right, and center, disappearing off the planet. And it's just, you know, that's... <laughs> we Our dependency on it has to change. So if you are an inventor, an engineer, somebody who's building a product, uh, maybe you're outsourcing and, and trying to get like a really good, maybe you're doing drop shipping even, maybe you're trying to get a, a really decent price from China or Japan or not Japan, Taiwan. Um, please, please, please think of the environment first before you think of just like your profit margin. Mm. Because yes, you might get like rich from buying something cheap and then upscaling the price and putting some nice packaging on it. But uh, it all adds up. It's somebody's bill some at some point. Right. You know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I just I, – I think those big two figures, like, really shocked me. I, I'd kind of been watching this stuff for a while, but those two figures really, really shocked me with the amount of plastic that's still sort of uh, knocking around. And there's lots of lots of work going on with uh, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch and – partly working which I, I don't know if you saw by the way but like the first version of it which is this massive big like thing that trails behind a ship or a number of ships and it kind of likes a big net and kind of pulls all the crap in the middle of it and then onto the boat they've got issues with it in terms of the boat process that i think onboarding or getting the stuff off but the 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 first tube is actually called wilson which i thought was kind of <laughs> cool so what do they uh, do you know what the they do with thing. it like after it's i have no idea i presume from the ocean i, I I presume they bring it back to sh to shore, and there's like a whole bunch of places in the world. I know Sweden's got one of them, one of the best in the world. Actually, is that they've got dedicated plants to uh, turn it into something else that's used. You, you know, mm. they put stuff into it to still use the plastic, but then they'll put something else in it, which is kind of biodegradable. Um, at the end of the day, you can incinerate it, so then it goes into the atmosphere. So I don't know the absolute detail with it, but it's better off um, re-jigged into something else than it is sitting into the water table with sunshine beaming on it yeah, and, like and breaking it down it. into microbeads. It's the microbeading of it that concerns me the most. Right. It's not necessarily big pieces of plastic. It's the plastic that gets into the middle of an ocean that nobody sees and it stays there swirling back and forth because of the currents for decades and that piece of plastic with the sun beaming down on it, it's melting 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 bits of it crack off you end up with microplastics the fish eat the microplastics we eat the fish yada yada, yada. Right. you know like yeah it has it has just a knock-on effect i wonder i wonder it's so funny because i remember you know that i wasn't there for the dawn of the internet but you know 
the internet wasn't as commonplace of as like a household thing. And, you know, it being on our phones when I was growing up, you know, it was just like, it was just something that maybe offices had and maybe you had in your house if you were lucky. Um, and I remember a lot of that coming online and people being like, oh, email, email is going to save the planet because we're not going to be printing out paper and, and, you know, mm. it's going to be so much more eco-friendly to have all this digital communication. And, but, but I think <laughs> what happened, not to be incredibly negative, but what it seems like happened is just marketing got more effective so that they could <laughs> just sell us more stuff via the internet. Like pretty much. I would love to know what the pretty dust much. to dust ratio, you know, oh my God, think about Amazon. Like think about how many planes, trains, and automobiles, how much fuel is used, uh, getting things delivered to a doorstep. I mean, maybe that's more efficient than people going out in their individual cars and going back and forth to the mall. Like, I, I don't know those, I don't know those numbers, but it does, uh, it doesn't seem like things are slowing down. I think that I thought that things would be slowing down by this point, but it doesn't feel like they are. <laughs> yeah, but the, the biggest assumption, the, the biggest, the biggest problem with most of those things is what's called the last mile, right? So you, you, you might have a big distribution network where uh, at night the lorries will run from one in the morning till five o'clock while there's nobody else around. Um, and they go from one kind of distribution place to another mm. distribution place. And then the next step is to, take these autonomous cars and make them autonomous delivery vehicles you know that run electric and they're kind of on a battery network and they're, they're using energy from recycled platforms so um i do feel like i do feel like that bit will get better i think as we've optimized all the areas of it we're starting to realize where all the the caveats are i think we've like globally woken up to the fact that everything has a cost mm. Every, every single thing has a cost where we used to just like write it off and be like, uh, nobody's looking at this, nobody's worried about it. But I think the human condition, the majority of the human condition has woken up to the fact that it's like, this is a serious fucking problem. You know, like, so so what do we need to do? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying electric's any better because, you know, at the end of the day, you're still mining lithium. Uh, and I don't know the ramifications on that in terms of distribution, how they get back and forth. But I presu I, I'm presuming, and this is probably my own naivety, I'm presuming that, you know, if you're going to swap from one kind of uh, fuel because it's difficult to mine or it's expensive or it's like polluting, that that you're taking those things into account, you know? Right. Um, I mean, you'd hope you know, so. hydrogen, hydrogen is supposedly better than that, I think. You know, like literally when you fire up a hydrogen car, like the, the what, what, what is expelled out of the exhaust is water. So, you know, like... You, the problem is being human is that you need a catalyst to feed into another catalyst, which ultimately uh, we do for a long period of time before realizing it's bad. And then we change. Um, the The problem is, is that we don't really have time on our hands in terms of rapidly getting those things evolved. Right. I feel anyway, I don't, I don't feel like we evolve these things fast enough. We get kind of stuck in our ways and be like, you know, well, the car works, you know, the car's fine. And for a long period of time from the, in the eighties, you know, you'd see this like iteratively, you know, the Ram, the Ram 500, the Ram 5, 1500 XL, the, <laughs> the, the Ram 1500 XLT, you know, like <laughs> it, it was just the American thing that I saw being in, 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 uh, Europe, 
of like these big muscle car, big muscle vans. And it like the, that's when marketing went full tilt because they, they suddenly had something to use that they could like push stuff at. Right. And then now it's kind of like you have someone like Elon who comes along and is like, eh, these things are real bad. You know, like, do we need, do we need like a, a V12 to go to a mile down the road to pick up your takeaway? Probably not. Um, but that, but then that's also a cultural, cultural shift. And I think plastic is the same thing. It's like, you know, in the seventies, I remember in the UK, we were sold, or at least I wasn't cause I was young, but like, I, I know from the television and like marketing, my dad's like LP collection and the, you know, things I used as a kid, like at the, at the dinner table, plastic forks, plastic plates, you know, it was a revelation. It was like, oh, you know, this stuff is now all cheap. Uh, it's cheap to produce and no, nobody was even thinking about the, the, the damages on the environment. Not a single per, well, not as far as I know. Right. Um, well, and that's, a, I'm I sure think, the environment, like when you, when you, sorry to interrupt, but, um, no, that's right. When you were on about, you know, like getting the kids something from the dollar store because things are tight. Like I, I totally, I totally understand that. And I totally sympathize with that. And that's a, the, a big part of the problem is that all of those conveniences were made so cheap, like you said, and they were marketed toward like the, you know, middle class and lower middle class families. Like I grew up in a lower middle class family where, you know, it wasn't like we weren't getting extravagant things for Christmas. And, you know, for a parent, it's like, all right, well, what am I going to do? Like, you know, I got put something little in the stocking. So like, I, I understand the psychology. I don't think anybody is like, making those purchases and being like, fuck the whales. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, and if it, of course and if not. It, of course so not. it's, it's, it's tough because it but almost preys on the, um, is it? the, the way that we, our economics are broken down. Do you know what I mean? Like our class structure is broken down. It, it but I think, I, I also think, I also think though, those are kind of manipulated because it's out of sight, out of mind. And I, I, I truly believe that marketers, distributors, <clears throat> distribution manufacturers like the whole ecosystem the whole kind of um end-to-end -end delivery of that i know that every single person in that chain knows that even though it's out of sight out of mind it causes damage yeah it must yeah. you know like you can't you can't fill a shipping container full of a hundred thousand plastic ducks and then it comes off the side of the shipping container in heavy storms and it's like it's written off on an excel spreadsheet but there's still a hundred thousand plastic ducks somewhere at the bottom of the ocean waiting to rot away in a steel container that will suddenly like pop up you know it's like because it's out of sight because it's out of mind because we don't think about it because it's not our problem because it's not like i don't have a hundred thousand ducks to deal with in my local pond you know like uh, we need to get rid of all these where we're going to scrap them like it's somebody else's problem and mm. we've been doing that for like 50 or 60 years and now now it is a problem well uh, yeah and i think i, I do, but but you see i don't i don't get frustrated I, I don't i don't stop there i don't stop and just think oh well we made mistakes and it's on us i think to myself it's an opportunity to turn around a lot of the things that we get frustrated about in terms of gdp and jobs i, I see it as a marketplace there's some very smart people in the world that can turn that stuff around and turn it into something better. Yeah, I mean, fuck, uh, got to put the middlemen somewhere. Like if middlemen want to be somewhere, then let's put them there. <laughs> you know, like if we need, if we need people to like what you said, you know, if we need people to start uh, innovating and we want entrepreneurs to start thinking creatively about solving problems, then 
let's create the market for it by our our demand as consumers. You know what I mean? Because yeah, so you, less plastic, more bamboo. Okay. Next. That's what. That's what I. <laughs> <laughs> more plastic, less plastic, more bamboo. I, but then I, probably bamboo is not sustainable either. I don't know. But I know it's better Well, the thing to give like yeah. bamboo plates and, you know. The thing about bamboo and sugarcane is that it grows, uh, well, sugarcane specifically grows extremely quickly. So it's not like, of course, you know, if you're buying printer paper, you're chopping down trees that may have been growing for 150 years in order to satisfy that. Uh, like uh, sugarcane plants and a lot of these, uh, what do they call them, bioplastics that they're inventing, they're doing it very smartly because they're using plants that are like fully mature in 18 months. They could just turn them over and grow more. You know what I mean? It, it does, it's not this huge taxing. Um, but then, you know, we always talk about the dust to dust ratio. So you got to make sure that the watering facilities and how they're grown and everything, it, you know, it has to be like a full mm-hmm. end to end Solution. It can't just be, be like, some, oh, throw you know, throw bamboo on it, and everything's fine now. Someone is someone is going to come along with a way to like add some kind of chemical algae or something to plastic, and it and it changes the bio, some kind of bio mimicry kind of thing that turns the the material into like a wearable fabric and doesn't affect you toxically. And, you know, that thing lasts for a period of time. Imagine having a T-shirt that lasted four years and then it just gradually dissolves. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because <laughs> you then you'd like, have your subscription service just send you a new one whenever, you know, when that exactly. was up because that's what we're all going toward exactly. anyway. So so I like that whole 360 approach of like – and I think we need more of that. And I think there's an opportunity there for business as well, especially small businesses to do that 360 thing and apply – the modern day strategies of, you know, marketing, social marketing, you know, the startup culture of being like, okay, let's source the materials. Are they damaging the environment? No, or yes, but we could like fix it by taking some of the money from the sale of the products and putting it back in and developing this. And then the customer wears it for a while. And then subscription service, like you says, pushing another product out, use the feedback from people. Like I've had this three years on the Twitter campaign, on the, on the blogs, you know, like where are the new, where are the next group of handmade family business startups going to come from? I feel like they come from innov- in- innovating in areas just like this. Yeah, I agree. I, I also agree that like, I, I think it's a really good thing that these type of articles are coming out here and they're saying there is this much plastic in the ocean or the amount of plastic in the ocean is enough. What does this one say to reach the moon and back five times, like putting things in those, uh, in, in those terms are, Mm. is really helpful because I remember when I was growing up, it's like, well, how can there be a problem? Because like when I use a water bottle, a single use plastic water bottle, I throw it in the recycling center. So I'm doing my part. Like everything should be fine. Like I put it in the recycling center and the recycling bin goes to the curb and they take it. So where's all this plastic coming from? I think that's like a big part of the disconnect because like up until, you know, the past maybe five years, I was like, well, I am recycling. So we're good, right? Like I'm not throwing things on the side of the road. Um, But we're at the point now where those things can't even get broken down. Um, And another thing. I mean, yeah. Mm. I was going to say, I mean, like when you see figures like 90% of that, that plastic isn't recycled yet, you assume that like, yeah, you, you absolutely do. You see a green box 
you put it in there, somebody else's problem. You know, there's initiatives. I've read about it. They're taking the product, they're recycling it. But then when you when you actually then see data that says, um, you know, this stuff is in landfills that hasn't been, re- 90% of it hasn't been recycled. And then you look into it, like what does billions of tons of plastic look like? Right. You know, there's a, there's been studies done three years ago that says that that that's the equivalent of 7.2 trillion grocery bags full of plastic. Right. I and you can't even get your head around that seven point two. I mean, the numbers are so stratospheric that you know, like I know there's like initiatives where people are taking that plastic and then like turning that into you know the wire that you use for three D printers. Does that really take us away from the problem, or just like yeah, keeps then, the stuff then, in circulation? Right, right. Because then you make something with the three D printer, and then that ends up in the landfill. So are we just but like- then, but but I, but then I don't know. You see, the, the, this is where the other stats don't exist. Is that you know where's the where's the trade-off here if, do we buy a hundred thousand cheap umbrellas from china or do we build our own umbrella from a 3d printout that we got off the internet which performs better than the original one you know like there's the quandary for me is like uh, this is the reason why i can't get so excited for geeks and nerds who are like oh, i don't a 3d print on it's like unless it's better than the original or has a longevity longer than me buying a brolly that lasts me two times of going out in the weather and then the thing collapses and i throw it in a bin now finding out that this stuff is in a landfill and 90 percent of it isn't being recycled every everything i buy now feels like i have to get my i have to get a good amount of time out of this otherwise i'm just basically paying for stuff to be put into landfill right do you know, do, do, does well, that make sense maybe not even ending up there because that's that was my whole point is like i remember the yeah, campaigns when we were kids and it was like reduce reuse recycle reduce reuse recycle okay reduce fine easy reuse you got it but then when you re- and you're recycling so you're like that's it i'm doing the things i'm doing the three things they get to the bin and because there was such and you know there's personal responsibility for sure so i'm not trying to shirk that part but when that is the campaign and you're being told recycle 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 i mean damn captain planet in the 80s like the whole that was the whole message was like let's be kind to the environment let's recycle our things let's not be wasteful so I kind of mm. grow, grew up thinking like we were good. We we had we did it. Like <laughs> we're doing all the right things. We're doing the things we were told to do. The bin is at the side of the road and the they're going to come pick it up in the big, you know, trash recycling trucks and they're it's going to get recycled. That's the point of recycling. So and then now it's all in the ocean. So what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I just I just think there's so much like infrastructure been like and that was an, another thing working for a local council is that I used to hear the conversations that used to go on about and the the money that was put aside for, you know, when this roof uh, needs repairing in 15 years time or 20 years time, then there's like a fund for that. And then that fund magically disappeared and that person got fired, you know, like yeah. that, that's all, com- that's all coming to the fore now. Like it's all coming forward. Like the, the, the money that was there is no longer there. Yeah. Um, I was just looking at this from an opportunity point of view. Um, assume it costs 3.25 cents to produce a plastic bottle. They're estimating a grocery bag full of them of, of um, contains about $1 worth of plastic material production. So take a grocery bag and fill it with, say, 31 bottles. 
So that's 7.2 trillion grocery bags is the equivalent of a cool 7.2 trillion dollars. So there's a there's a marketplace there. That's what I'm in saying. In terms of is the that material, like the raw material. In terms of the material, mm. yeah. In terms of the raw material, some genius needs to come along, tackle that up, build a distribution system for it, reuse that stuff, add some kind of chemical to it, or or, or just repurpose it in some way instead of it just sitting there, getting covered, you know, like rain and sunshine and just like leaking into our food table like uh, it's already in it so like now it's about trying to get back to some kind of ph balance that doesn't kill us all i guess well yeah and that's i think part of i'm glad that these things are being talked about but i don't remember a time until very recently where science was political like do like do you know what i mean like when we when we grew up Science was science, and the scientists tell you mm. the thing, and then that's the facts. But now all of a sudden, scientists tell you the thing, and that's part of an agenda, or that's somebody's you know conservative or liberal view, or that's something political. That's true. And it's like, I don't – that kind of blows my mind because now we're at the point where we're like, oh, well, if we don't even trust what the scientists are telling us is happening in the oceans, then how can we even begin – to start putting a plan in place to fix it because it's becoming a political battle. It's becoming like a, I'm well, right maybe, and you're wrong, you know? Maybe some maybe some people know how much it's actually going to cost to do and trying to swing that after having their hands in the pot so mm-hmm. many times before is, is not going to happen. So you're, you, you, we're in a state of apathy because of, of, of position, political position playing and it's actually killing us by not my, by not actively doing something. You know, like it's, such a, it's one of the reasons why I like society drives me nuts. <laughs> it's like the idea that we're not we're not fixing problems based on the fact that we're trying to win votes or maintain, you know, a name for ourselves in a in a house that gives us power. Right. Like it's such a backwards thought process to me. Right. Like, what's power if you're standing on? trillions of plastic bottles that are like killing you slowly I, I guess at the end of the day is the people in power are not on ground level they're on the 154th floor where they can have like stuff for helicoptered in from somewhere where there isn't toxic yet but i don't know man that that, that that's uh well, I'm hoping that I, I like think, uh, blockchains really dis- disrupt a lot of that in a good way you know we talked about it a little bit on on our last podcast on um positively negative just now so you recorded that before this, but like once the information becomes democratized and once the, you know, I'm just hoping that, that the power and the ability to take action about a lot of things and the ability to self-fund and self-mobilize certain projects gets a little bit more spread out as a result of blockchain technologies, you know? I mean, because if we're waiting for people who don't have a vested interest in changing things <laughs> in order to change things, it's not going to happen. Like you said, you know, mm. they're, they're not going to reap the real consequences of what's of the decisions that they're making. We're paying for somebody else writing the checks of our future in a sense. So I do know though that the, the dollar or the, you know, the almighty buck or the currency of your area, that is like the, one of the most powerful things that you have to to change things with and to support things that you agree with. So that's kind of my, you know, it's not about me being on this high horse of being like, I only buy these type of products. It's me kind of being like, well, 
you know, this is my way of participating. If money talks and if the, these markets and these, you know, big businesses respond to the way I spend my dollars, then I'm going to make account for the way I spend my dollars. So mm. I think that's like a big mm-hmm. part of what we, what we always set out to talk about in this podcast. It's never supposed to be, you know, preachy or a woe, you know, we're all, screwed, oh, even God, though no. I feel like we do that sometimes because we're passionate about it, but it really is like, I feel like it should I'm be just so saying empowering. It influences- yeah. I'm just saying it influences my decision making. Maybe a lot of people are like, oh, why worry about it? We're only here for a period of time anyway. It's mm. not my problem. I'm going to be dead in a matter of certain years. You know, it's like it's the next generation's problem, yada, yada, yada. I, I don't know why, but for, for me personally, it's just something that sticks with me. It's just one of those things that, like, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't enjoy being a human being that just keeps on making the same mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. a bit like that Simpsons episode where he turns around, like Sideshow Bob, like turns around and hits another like brush on the floor, like ow, ow, ow. <laughs> you know, like where he steps on a brush and it hits him, and then moves and it hits him. Like I can't be that person. I can't be that person. Like and just ignore that. I keep on making the same like mistakes. I have to, I have to try or want to right. try and change. You yeah. Know? And I, and I just think there's something, I think there's something evolutionary about that thinking if we all started to do a little bit of that in our day-to-day lives in terms of like, you know, I, I'll pay the extra money. You just give me something on the side of my coffee cup that I can read that I know. Give me data. Give me data that you're doing what you say you're yeah. going to do um, so that I can feel good about like supporting that farmer's like coffee grove in such and such a place and then this cup gets turned into something else or another cup and we're not making more of the yeah. cups we're like we're literally like re take repurposing it from the stock that we have yeah i think for somebody um, like I, I feel like we both feel this stuff in different ways but i i always feel for you specifically because i think being a ground sign the energy around this time of year the the holidays is like very it must be very, very draining because like, I mean, I see it too, where it's like you go into the stores and all you can see is just stuff stacked to the ceiling and you're like, and what happens in, in a week when it's January 2nd? <laughs> like, yeah. where does this all go? Like, it's great that it's here now and it's lovely and the and the Christmas music's blaring and, and you know, there's the energy of getting out and tr- – Dude, let me tell you, there's nothing that makes me happier than giving things to people. <laughs> like I love, I, mm. I, I love that with like the core of my being is like collecting those things and, and wrapping them up with care and, and giving them. So it has nothing to do with that, but it's like, where, where does it all go afterward? Well, we kind of know where it goes, but it's an overwhelming time of year in a lot of ways. So environmentally, yeah. I feel like it's an over, very an overwhelming time of year. I mean, as long as this, as long as a lot of this stuff has a level of sustainability or longevity to it, I'm I'm normally cool with a lot of it. Um, you know, if there's things that I can say, oh, this could be better, or this could be tuned up, or like maybe we should look at it in a different way. Um, I'm not trying to like be the Grinch because you know, at the end of the day, like giving presents and celebrating the year and the time, giving thoughtful presents to people, but like when presents are toxically Im- imbibed. You don't want a drone for Christmas? Is that what you're saying? Because I can return it. Yeah, you, you, you don't want that drone that I bought you oh. <laughs> It's kind of become like a meme on this podcast. Actually, uh, actually being triggered uh, by moment, drones, but I get it. <laughs> actually, at this moment in time, like, 
I don't have a use for I'd like here's the here's the thing, isn't it? The want and need thing. I don't need a drone. Uh yes. I'd want one for what I could produce with it, but really if I break it down, I don't need mm-hmm. one. But there's the thing is they're still gonna build them. Yes. Still going to build them. There's, there's there's hundreds of thousands of them built already, sitting in warehouses with batteries that are like yeah. you know. So we can't all be like reduced back to the Stone Age and just you know don't have any of these things. But I'm just saying that I think there's areas where, like Apple, for instance, what Apple have done with their whole like environmental yeah. footprint, they realised that they were a massive big contri- contributor to it now. And they've worked really closely with the EPA. Now, people might say the EPA is corrupt or, or like you can't trust it. It's just another agency or whatever. But the fact that Apple um, actively, you know, tries to source certain materials. And I think even the last um, keynote they did, they're taking certain parts of the tin that they had used in previous models of phone and, mm. and kind of recycling it, reusing it in the phone. So, like, there is processes in place. The The issue with it is that it costs cost money to to tool up to be able to build the tools to do the recycling but now we've got robots that can practically build ro- robots i think we'll we'll start to see that stuff yeah. like go real well, I quick i have three hunts if you have some time uh so yeah let's do it the, let's go the, we do the stuff go. that is uh changing the world or it might at least might like inspire us to be like heck yeah that's cool so um, this one is called, uh, we've seen a couple like this on the platform, but this one's called Legro Science. And it is the magical plant clock. And, you know, it's just a regular, uh, nothing really special about the clock functionality, but it actually gets its power from the plant that's growing inside of it. It's like a little two-parter, a planter and a clock. And like, how lovely is that? Just put it by, I mean, okay, it looks like the case is made of plastic as we sat here and just shat about plastic, <laughs> shat on plastic for like an hour. Um, but maybe it's made of recycled plastic. I'd have to look into that. But I, just the concept to me, more than the product of having plants around you, making you happy, making you healthier, purifying the air around you, but then also powering some of your devices, that's like win, win, win to me. I love that. Yeah, I get it. But- I get it. I, I think because I've <laughs> no, I think because I've got to the point in my life where I'm trying to downsize. I, I I see it as a a kind of frivolous thing that the fact that it says magical plant <laughs> clock on it wouldn't get me to okay, buy it because fine. I'm sorry. I'm uh, because you know as soon as you start calling any device magical, I start thinking of like why are you calling it magical? Okay, fine, like. Just because it powers something. What if you have I mean, like a it, huge, like a big powering, plant in like. It's, it's, no, but it's, it's powering yes. that clock, a clock that but, you will the, never look at. But the concept. Because you have one on, on your phone or your powering, wrist. What if it went into a power bank that you could charge your phone from and then you can unplug the power bank and then take it out with you for the day? Like. Great. So go, so go, so go past yeah, the magical plant clock and get straight to that. Don't, don't use this as R and D and make twenty thousand of them and then sell a hundred and be a like, magical it didn't work. Plant clock. because there's going to be a Legro science somewhere with ten thousand of these units sitting in a scrapyard. Like, so I don't know. Like, I think sometimes you've just got to be like, I know you're excited about learning science, um, but think yeah. bigger. I think just, I think much the, bigger. technology is yeah. cool. I, th- I don't think a lot of people even know that plants could power cool. an electronic sure. thing. So just even having that out there to be like, sure. oh, 
wait a second. I mean, damn, I was watching Blue Planet the other day and oh God, I wish I remembered the exact stat, but like the amount of the, the amount of energy that's expelled in the ocean just from waves happening, you know, things that the ocean does anyway, mm, is, is equivalent to like a hundred thousand atom bombs or some ridiculous number like that. Like energy is yeah, being, crazy. energy mm. is all around us all of the time. It's about our ability to adapt and grab it in ways. Right. Right. Honestly, it's not like energy is this, right. is this, uh, you know, finite thing oil is, but not the energy. We just need to figure out how to, like you said, grab it and store it. Um, the second thing is uh, I actually had to delist this one because it was a duplicate, but the original's on there. So <laughs> it's um, a company called Precious Plastic, and their website says, we have created machines that enable anyone to recycle plastic. So they they have these kits. I think if you are like a homesteader or somebody with some property, maybe not like a van dweller or a city dweller, you might not have room for some of these things. But I would have loved it if I was a kid and we had – some of these like contraptions. It's a totally open source um, uh, program process. They show exactly how they make everything and you can do the same at your house or you can buy kits uh, for shredder machines, extrusion machines, injection machines. I mean, I would have been like over the moon for this stuff when I was a kid. I would have been like, this is so cool. So, I mean, to get kids off screens and get them into yeah. a space and get them actually hands-on engineering, like, you know, oh, I want to make something on 3D printer. Well, that's great. But before you do that, you have to make the material mm. so you can do the 3D printing. Because I think I think there's a thought process that, like, comes about from doing that stuff where it's like a wake-up call. Like, I remember doing some laser cutting with wood with my daughter to make a mobile phone like case and she didn't get like what she was doing on the computer right. until she saw this piece of wood get cut with a laser and it was like you could just see the light go off in her head like oh shit like things that i make virtually can right. have a and real and then when you're out effect. in the world you see like, materials and, like oh that could be this you know it doesn't have to be right. in a landfill yeah um, yeah yeah great yeah. company great uh, website and then too. the last thing is it might need a little bit of explaining of why I thought it was an eco hunt, but it's basically um, real real time rendering in a browser uh, for VR like hmm. staging. And I just feel like how much how much uh, like time, energy, and fuel and shipping is wasted by us like buying something and then all of a sudden it doesn't fit. Like you put the bookcase together, it doesn't fit where you thought it would, or it doesn't look right or this and that. Like, I just think that VR and a lot of this, um, these like 3d spaces, once they're fully integrated into like our headsets and our glasses and stuff, I think we're going to be able to, I'm hoping we're going to be able to save ourselves like a lot of time and energy in terms of the back and forth of things. Cause wow. we can visually see them in the space before we order them. It's funny. It's funny you should say it. It's funny you should say it because actually this stuff is already saving the awesome. environment in in some ways. Because one of the biggest problems about um, houses and apartments for sale is when people cancel their appointments because the person who has to show the house off normally you have to have a reel to go out. So they're in a car. They have to drive to the place. You have to unlock the door, like, and then if the people don't turn up, like, it's a wasted journey. So having, like, VR mm. inside of a house so you can actually walk through and step through, I think it's already having, you know, th- th- that's a perfect example for me where technology uh, has an indirect cause and effect, right? Like something that you would never normally think about because 
most realtors now will charge you a fee ahead of time for for them to turn up at the place to show you around because sure. a lot of people are just not turning no that up. makes perfect sense so like the, that realtor's going out that realtor's going out anyway like to the people who do show up so like you know instead of that fee you can just invest that money you know company and this is the interesting thing is like realtors that then now offer that you know like mm. that's part of your your mm-hmm. your costing you know it's like oh what well, we don't ch- we don't charge for viewings because everything's vr and you can click on this and aren't we wonderful because uh, we're using modern day technology uh, and also we're saving money by going out that means they can close more business yada 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 kind of like frees up more time and that's the best mm. that's the best feature of technology for me is like when it's when it actually save time and you know what i would love to see also with one of these is like what if it's never going to (laughs) happen with craigslist but like what if craigslist like just up their game times a million and bolted something like this on and you could like you could you know those handheld 3d scanners that they have now you could scan like the Mm. couch in your house that you want to sell on craigslist and somebody could see what that looks like in their house like i just i would love to see a second hand market being made for some of this stuff where people, when you need a new couch or a coffee table or something for your house, you don't just go to like Amazon or go directly to, you know, your local furniture store where people would actually have like an advantage to, I think because there's so much uncertainty of like, Oh, is it what they said it is? Is it going to be a ripoff? Is this person weird? Like, let's just remove all that and have people using secondhand things that they, you know, have to create a demand. I think that'll be the Mm. next stage. I think the type, the tokenization of everything imagine having like an apartment block that you know the 3d plans for like flats are already at the at the local government offices so you know Mm. what the room size is um maybe you've got 3d printer or maybe you're buying something online from ikea so you have the you have all the dimensions of that or ikea have got all these 3d models anyway because they have apps so i mean it's just an api right it's just connecting one api to another api do you have this yes i have this um you know, can I search through your, your Gmail account? Did you order? Yes, you ordered this. This is the SKU for it. That SKU matches this 3D model, which is stored on this blockchain. Like that's what's coming next is like the tokenization of things mm. that you have in your life. You know, um, I, th- I can't remember what the stat was, but it's something stupid like a, like a, a drill, a house drill is only used for something like six minutes of its life or something. Wow. Um, and it's just sitting there in a shed, right? So, like, if you can tokenize everything in your life and it's like, I have a requirement for this, I'm going to use it. Or, you know, like, what do I have in my apartment? Or I really want to get rid of that desk. And being able to go to Craigslist and bring up the Craigslist VR you. app and just, like, have a look at it. And it's like, is this the IKEA thing? Yes, it is. Okay, Boom. Right. It's done, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, that, like, democratization of information if there's anything that i've learned from like hanging out around blockchain people for the past two and a half years it's like if you give them data they'll make cool shit with it that's it that's all they need to do it's like they don't like a lot of times they don't even want to get paid or need to get paid it's like because there's such a passion for that stuff so let's open up the data silos please and thank you and (laughs) let like creative people be creative and smart people fix things please (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah okay i think we're yeah. gonna close the episode yeah i enjoyed that one. merry christmas are we gonna talk talk again before christmas i'm sure we'll do another one or so yeah we will we'll so, do yeah but if you're we'll doing your last minute shoppings yeah. just um don't buy it unless it's bamboo just <laughs> just kidding don't, 
Don't don't buy plastic. Don't buy plastic. <laughs> Bye. You can support the show by heading to anchor.fm forward slash product sense and clicking support this podcast or by checking out any of this week's sponsors. You can subscribe to Product Sense wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can hang out with us on Discord by visiting smarturl.it slash talkback. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.